Lord asked me earlier this year, he said, what do you want for your birthday this year? He's been asking me for months. And I've only told the Lord one answer. I want souls for my birthday, God. I want souls. I don't want a billion dollars in my lifetime, but I do want a billion souls in my lifetime, Jesus. And if you give me a billion dollars, I'll figure out how to turn it into a billion soul harvest, Jesus. It's all I've been asking God for all year. I, I had no idea that I would be sharing the gospel tonight on my birthday. I had no idea. Couldn't have planned it. Jeff actually told me about a week ago, two weeks ago, that I wouldn't be sharing the gospel this year because he felt the Lord uh, shifting, kind of shuffling the deck. And then he hits me up a couple days ago and says, hey, actually, the Lord said you're supposed to share the gospel opening night. I don't even know if he was cognitive of the fact that it was my birthday, but God is so good that today he's going to give me what I asked for for my birthday. <laughs> but you see, what's awesome is that tonight I get to celebrate not just my birthday, but we're going to celebrate a lot of birthdays. You see, a lot of you are going to get born again tonight. You're going to have the opportunity to be born again tonight. And I'm telling you what, it's not just going to be my birthday we're celebrating tonight. We're going to have an altar full of birthdays tonight. <laughs> Man, love you guys. I, I, I just... I feel so much love for you guys. I, I've been praying for you guys for months. And I just, I feel the heart of God over you guys right now, man. And, and, and how much he loves you. This is not my natural love. I'm tapping into his. And man, let me tell you what. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you more than you've ever loved a crush. He loves you more than you've ever loved a parent. He loves you more than you've ever loved a sibling. He loves you more than your heart, mind, and emotions will ever be able to humanly understand on earth. He loves you infinitely more than that. Man, he loves you. I was praying today, and I felt like the Lord was just reminding me, guys. Scholars believe the Virgin Mary was about 13 years old when she got pregnant. How many of you guys are 13 years old in the room? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're 13. For those of you that doubt that God could use you, God used a 13-year-old virgin to birth the greatest revival ever seen in human history. <laughs> Scholars believe that the Apostle John was around the age of 17 years old when he started following Jesus. Who's 17 years old in the room? Can I tell you a sick story about Apostle John? You see, all the other disciples, you read church history, they all got martyred. Peter was hung upside down. Some of them were dragged behind horses alive. Guys, if, if anyone ever told you that following Jesus would be easy, I, I'm here on behalf of whoever lied to you to say that I'm sorry you were lied to. And I say that with a sincere heart. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm being serious. Following Christianity is the most challenging thing on earth. It's why we need God in order to accomplish it. We need the indwelling of the Spirit. It is the most thug life thing on earth. Hands down. Hands down. The most thug life. You think it's thug life to smoke weed? Everybody smokes weed. 
That's not thug life. You're a follower and you look like everyone else. You know what's thug life? Going against the world and looking like Jesus. Man, you go to the Middle East, believers are getting their heads cut off. You go to Iran right now, guys, I'm going to be a little raw. You go to Iran right now, and women are being sexually violated by radical religious people for not renouncing Jesus. If anyone ever told you that following Jesus would be easy, I'm sorry that you were lied to. It is the hardest thing that exists. But God said, I will be with you. Guys, I'd rather have a thug life life filled with God than an easy life filled with the devil. He didn't say, go and make disciples of all nations and it'll be easy till the end of the age. No, he said, go and make disciples of all nations and I'll be with you until the end of the age. I don't need an easy life. I need God in the middle of my life. You see, the apostle John and all the other disciples, guys, they were all martyred. Heads cut off, sawn in half. You read these books on the martyrs, their stories are insane. And they tried to kill John. He was only 17 years old when he started following Jesus. John the Beloved but wrote the book of John. 17-year-old little dude. They tried to kill him. They took him and they dunked him in a baptism of boiling oil. You want to know what the homie did? He came out alive. The Apostle John... Homie crawled out alive. He must have been like 21 years old at the time. 20 years old. He crawls out alive. He's like, nice try. You tried. You tried. But guess what? He who's in me is greater than whatever's in you. Oh. They were furious. They're like, man, we can't kill this dude. What do we do with him? They kicked him out and they quarantined him on an island called Patmos. You guys remember being quarantined during COVID? Guys, I'm going to be honest. Our Christianity has turned to sissianity. Because we get locked in our rooms for 10 days and we're crying and complaining for 10 days. They quarantined this dude to an island. And you know what he did? He wrote the book of Revelation. He's not like, oh my gosh, I got kicked out of the, oh my God, I'm all by myself. He's like, good, I get more time with God. Lord, what do you want to say? And suddenly the heavens open, a ladder drops. He climbs up and he sees Jesus seated on a throne with eyes of fire, hair like wool, a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, feet like brass. Oh, he sees almighty God, not this little like donkey riding Jesus we see in scripture. He sees the resurrected king sitting victoriously on a throne. Come on, man, this is the Jesus we serve. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Oh, man, guys, these, Mary was 13. John was 17. Man, if they were this young, what could God do through you? Well, I don't know if I'm ready. If you have the Holy Ghost, it don't matter if you're ready. He's ready. Man, guys, tonight, I, I, I just... I want to share my favorite message in, in the world. It's really the only message I ever preach. It's the only message I ever teach. It's the only thing I'm ever asked to 
talk about because it's like kind of the only thing I'm really good at. I remember when I was your guys' age, guys, I was 13 years old. I went to a tent revival for my first time. I was taught my whole life that the power of God wasn't real, that that stuff didn't happen anymore, that you couldn't hear God's voice. He didn't heal anymore. Casting demons wasn't real anymore. It was all just Bible stories. And Christianity that I was taught turned the Bible into some type of fairy tale. But guys, that's not the truth. He's still alive. He still talks. He still casts demons. He still raises the dead. He still heals the sick. And he's still the same person. Always will be the same person. But I remember going to my first tent revival. I was 13 years old. I had never seen this stuff. And I see someone walk around praying for people. They're falling on the ground, shaking on the power of God. People are getting healed. People are speaking in tongues. And I'm going, I don't know what that is, but I want that. I don't know what to call that stuff, but I know that I need it. You see, like, here's the reality, guys. This whole book is supernatural. There's nothing not supernatural about it. From page one all the way to the last page, think about it. God builds a sandcastle in the shape of a human. He blows in his nose, and he becomes a human being. Please tell me what's not supernatural about that. I dare you to go try. It is completely supernatural. Everything about this thing is supernatural. We believe that when we read it, the author joins us in reading it. Please tell me what's not supernatural about that. We believe a 13-year-old girl that was a virgin got pregnant and birthed the God that created galaxies through her belly. That is supernatural. Everything about this is supernatural. And if we are silent about the supernatural as believers, the devil will gladly open his mouth up about it. And while people are looking for Jesus, if we won't talk about it, Buddhists will, New Agers will, Hindus will, Satanists will, Harry Potter watching witches will. <laughs> while we as believers are silent because we just don't know if the Bible's true yet or not, then you're not a Christian. If you don't believe that this is the truth, you are not following Christ. Can I say that? Like this is Gen Z. I was told Gen Z wants it raw and wants the truth and wants it how it is. I've been studying you guys and I heard you're sick of the fake. You're sick of the filters. You're sick of the facades. You're sick of the plastic. You're sick of the trash. You want the real and you want the raw. So can I give you the real and the raw tonight? I remember being 13 years old, going to this thing, and I'm like, man, I want that. I don't know what it is. I don't even believe in God, but I know I want that. I'm following this dude around. Next thing you know, guys, I don't know what happened. He reaches over, touches me. I'm shaking violently on the ground under the power of the Holy Spirit for two hours, speaking in tongues, kicking the floor, digging a hole with my feet because my body is shaking so violently under the power of a living God. Guys, if I stick a fork in this electric outlet, I remember I did that when I was a kid. It was a screwdriver. I shoved it in and I blew back like four feet. If a creation can do that, how much more can our creator? You ever thought about that? Like he's infinitely more powerful than that power outlet. If that can do that, how much more can the guy that holds the galaxies in place without us disintegrating by fire from the sun? 
And here's, here's what I want to get at, guys. You see, all my life I was told, oh, yeah, following Jesus, it's easy. It's a free gift. Just say yes, and all your life will fix, and everything will be easy, and it'll be perfect, and it'll be polished, and it'll look like a soap opera for you. And you know what happened when I got hit by the power of the Holy Spirit? Guys, I got so stoked. I was like, holy smokes, I just met God. Oh, my gosh, I just experienced God, like the power of the Holy Spirit. I was so stoked. I went to my middle school the next day and started telling everybody about it. And you know what happened? I, I got a bunch of followers. No, actually, I didn't. All the Christians thought I was cool. No, actually, they didn't. I had a bunch of friends, and everyone wanted to, like, film me and get all my cool stuff on video. Actually, no. I got persecuted and made fun of and told that I was demon-possessed. You read the story of Jesus, and what did people do when he was moving in the power of God? They were telling him he was son of Beelzebub, son of the devil. They were persecuting him. They were spitting on him, punching him, trying to kill him, and successfully do it at the age of 33. Guys, if you were told that following Jesus would be cupcake Christianity and fix your life, I'm sorry that someone sold you the knockoff version. It's hard. You'll lose followers, you'll lose friends, you'll get canceled, but I would rather live my life and die for Jesus than live my life and die for alcohol or die for drugs or die for sex or die for STDs. Guys, if I'm going to live my life, there's only one reason I'm living worth dying for, and it's the one that died for me first. People out there are like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll drive drunk from home from a party. That means you consider drinking worth dying for when you died on the way home. Yeah, yeah, I'll do drugs and get high with all my friends, and then you get thrown in jail at the age of 19, and you're stuck there till you're 26. That means you consider that worth giving your life for. Only thing I consider worth giving my life for is Jesus. Look, guys, I walked away from that moment. I got so persecuted by Christians. People bullied me. They said I was demon-possessed. They told me that their youth group told them about that stuff, that it was all from the devil. And everyone made fun of me, and they would make fun of my story because I would share it, and I was animated. And they're like, Ugh! and everyone was picking on me because I was talking about my encounter with God. And next thing you know, instead of being liked, I'm, like, extremely disliked. This is the real gospel, guys. And I felt lied to. I was like, I thought I was supposed to get a lot of followers. I thought like I was supposed to get like nice house and everything was supposed to be perfect and easy now. You know what I did? I walked away. Because I was like, someone lied to me. This isn't what I wanted. I want to be a normal high schooler. Guys, 14 years old, I start smoking weed and getting drunk. By the time I was 15 years old, I was fully addicted to cocaine. Every day using. I got kicked out of high school, senior year of high school, for possession of coke in my pocket. I'm a dropout. Never graduated high school. I was so ashamed, so embarrassed. My little sister was a grade under me. She graduated <laughs> while I'm on drugs at her graduation, wanting to cry and trying to numb the pain because I'm ashamed of the fact that she graduated and I didn't. And I become so ashamed, I start smoking crack. I start using needles and putting cocaine in my veins. And by the time I'm 19 years old, I'm smoking meth using needles, smoking meth, snorting meth, totally methed out. And then my dad dies at the age of 22, 
Guys, let me tell you something. I was not eight years old going, one day, I really hope I grow up and I'm a drug addict. One day, I really want to smoke meth and ruin my life and end up in jail 10 times and go to rehab twice. That sounds really fun. No, man. You start the Bible and it's Satan is a snake in Genesis. You get to the end of the story and he's a dragon in the book of Revelation. That's because humanity feeds him and gives him the ability to grow. When the enemy enters into our life, he comes like a little snake. But if we feed him with sin, I'm telling you, he'll become a dragon within. That's what happened to me. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't a desire of mine. It was pain and brokenness and my attempt to be God and self-medicate my pain. We can't self-medicate our pain. Only God can heal a heart that's messed up. It's supernatural. All you'll do is numb it, numb it, numb it till you're old and die with a numb heart never knowing God. That was my story, guys. Started, my dad died when I was 22. I was so depressed. I didn't know how to handle the pain. I started doing heroin. Because I was tired of being a weirdo and talking to myself and seeing shadows everywhere I went. So I started doing heroin. I was a heroin addict until I was 26 years old. You know what's crazy? I called myself a Christian the whole time. I had a visitation, but I did not have a habitation. God visited me, but he didn't live in me. I believe there's going to be a lot of Christians that end up at judgment seat one day and don't make it in because the road was narrow. Very few were those that found it, and they used Christianity as a name brand on their clothing instead of a condition of their heart. You see, in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is talking to John, the apostle, and he goes, hey, I need you to tell the church this. I know you just came out of this epic encounter. You just saw me on the throne with the four-headed creatures, with the head of an eagle, ox, human, lion, with six wings and ten eyeballs all over their wings and spinning on fire, screaming, holy, holy, holy. And I know you saw me high and lifted up, majesty, splendor, emerald, rainbow, carnelian, jasper stones. You just had the most epic encounter with the resurrected and thrown version of me that you've ever had and that probably anyone ever will have. But I want you to go back and begin to send rebukes to the lukewarm churches. You would think he'd come out of an encounter and be like, hey, guys, he loves you so much. But instead he comes out, he's like, you're lukewarm, repent. It's right after, literally. Us before, after his uh, Revelation 1 encounter, comes out of that encounter, eyes of fire, hair like wool, comes out rebuking. He says, hey. This is what Jesus says. You can look it up. It's red letters. Christ is speaking to him directly and says, you are lukewarm. Pick a side, hot or cold. You see this matcha right here? I love this matcha ice cold. Like this thing's real cold and it's like, oh, hallelujah. Mm. <laughs> Glory to God. Same as hot chocolate. I mean, uh, uh, chocolate milk. You give me an iced cold chocolate milk. Oh, so good. Coffee. Co tea, coffee, tea. You give me ice cold, yum, it's so good. You give me blazing hot, like I want my mustache hairs to burn off when I sip it. Like I need it blazing hot where like I, I have like little burns on my tongue in the roof of my mouth because it's so hot. I want it like that, hot, 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 hot. But if you give me that thing lukewarm, bro, I am not drinking lukewarm matcha. Whoever drank lukewarm matcha, that's disgusting. You like it? I don't like that, gross. Who likes lukewarm 
chocolate milk. Like, you give, me, you give me hot cocoa, yum. You give me chocolate milk, yum. But you give me lukewarm milk with chocolate, that's disgusting. Same as coffee. Sick. That thing away from me. Go donate it to someone. I'm not drinking that. Go use it as water a plant. I'm not drinking that. That's disgusting. But you give me that thing blazing hot early in the morning, I'm the happiest human on the planet. This is what Jesus is saying. He's like, hey, your life, be blazing hot on fire. Be blazing passionately in love. Or become ice cold and go over to the other side and become what scripture is, refers to as reprobate. Meaning you now are used for the enemy's purposes. Go over there. Pick a side though. Don't be in the middle because the middle is miserable. You go to worship. And everyone's hands are lifted up, and you're like, man, I'm steeped in all this hidden sin. I can't raise my hands. I'm so ashamed right now. I'm embarrassed to even be here. And you know that you believe in God, but you know that you prefer sin over God, and you're standing in worship miserable and can't even engage all the way while everyone else is weeping, hands up, shaking, crying, and you're just standing there looking around and going, I wish I could do that, but I'm actually stuck in my sin instead. And then you go to the party. And everyone's doing keg stands, and everyone's smoking blunts and hitting bubblers and doing all these drugs, and they're all like getting crazy, and you're standing there, and you're like, man, I wish I could do that, but I'm so convicted that I can't even have fun with the sinners. I can't have fun with the sinners. I can't have fun with the saints. It's like I'm miserable no matter where I go. That's called lukewarmness. And Jesus loves us so much, he's going, hey, Pick a side, man. Like, I see that you're tormenting yourself. Either go into my kingdom and sell out your life and give everything and have fun with me in the kingdom, casting demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, hearing my voice, prophesying, preaching the gospel. Come and have fun with me. Or choose this fake freedom where TikTok and the news and TV and everything's going, this side is free and you can do whatever you want. And it's a massive cage with the devil holding the door open going, come on, welcome to freedom. And you go over there and as soon as you enter in, he slams the door, locks it, and you're stuck in 30 years of addiction looking back at the rest of your life like me going, what in the world happened to the church kid? There's only one freedom, and it's the freedom that Jesus gives. That fake freedom is a cage. And Jesus loves us too much to let us sit miserable in the middle, not being able to enjoy either side. He's going, guys, I love you too much, man. Just pick a side. In this area, you're fake and you're plastic and you're wearing masks wherever you go. It's not fun for you and it's not fun for me to watch. Just pick a side. He says, I'll spit you out. That's what he says. I will spit you out. You're going to make me sick. I'm going to throw you up. Just pick a side already. Yes, that's what our Bible says. This ain't Frenchie preaching. I'm reading just the Bible. But guys, check this out. Man, check this out. This is so good. You guys all right? You, 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 need, me to, you need me to tone it down? Are you sure? Like, you, you sure? Like... I, I can do like cotton candy and unicorns if you want. You good? Sure? You guys like steak? Let's eat some meat. Guys, check this out. Luke chapter 15. 
there's these three stories. Jesus is, he's talking about these parties, right? So Luke chapter 15, he opens up. He goes, hey, so there's this story. Let me tell you. It's about this sheep and this shepherd. He's got a hundred sheep and one of the sheep goes away and he gets lost. And the sheep is lost and the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and find the one. He finds the one sheep. He grabs the sheep. He starts pulling all the thorns and the thistles. It was stuck in a bush, cleans it off, makes it white as snow, brings it back home for the rest of the sheep. And he goes, guys, let's throw a party. Let's throw a party. Let's throw a party, a birthday party. Because my sheep was lost, but now my sheep is found. And now my sheep is born again. Let's throw a big old party for the sheep that's back home. It's in there. He says, let's throw a celebration. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. He's going, man, even if one person says yes to this, heaven is throwing a party. And then you read the second story. So this, this is kind of like my story. You see, I, I went to church growing up, but I knew churchianity. I never knew Jesus. Let me tell you what, Christianity will never save you, but Jesus will. YWAM will never save you. Commission camp will never save you. A parent will never save you. Only Jesus can save you. An altar is not salvation. Jesus is salvation. And if you don't know Jesus, then obviously you are going to be tormented by sin because only Jesus puts righteousness within only Jesus. He's the only one that puts holiness inside of us. But he finds the sheep, and this was like me, guys. I wandered. I knew, I knew how to raise my hands and stand up and sit down and da-da-da. But I didn't know Jesus. To be honest with you, I didn't even like going to church. My mom would drag me to church by the ear, force me to go. You know why I didn't want to go? Because I didn't know Jesus. Why am I trying to go to a stranger's house? The only way we can actually want to go to church is when we fall in love with Jesus and we want to meet his family. But if we don't know him, obviously we ain't trying to go to a stranger's house. You feel me? I remember I came here when I was 26 years old, right over in that tent that just got torn down. Rip. 26 years old, I stood in that tent, guys. These two guys came up. They said, hey, I heard God say you're a drug addict and you need freedom. I go, there's no way you heard that. And all of a sudden, they start telling everyone in my DTS all the sin I had done. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? I didn't know what prophetic was. I didn't know what hearing God's voice was. I didn't even believe in that stuff yet. But it's happening to me. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is weird. And then the other guy starts praying. He goes, I heard God say that your family calls you the black sheep. And I'm just crying. I'm like, oh, man. My whole family calls me the black sheep. I introduced drugs to my family. Man, I, I, I am the black sheep. And I'm weeping. And they go, you want to experience the presence of God? I'm like, yeah, okay. They go, put your hands out. They start praying for me. I had demons cast out of me 2014 over in that tent. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I called myself a Christian before that. I was not a Christian. I was a hypocrite. <laughs> I was a liar. I was a thief. I was a drug addict. I was a porn addict. I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was a sinner. I had a sin nature. I was steeped and dirty in sin i liked sin how do you know if you're born again because you don't like sin anymore do you sin yes yeah, sometimes but you don't like it you repent immediately after because you hated it how do you know if you're not born again because you like sin you don't have the nature of jesus in you yet it's that simple i loved sin before 
because I was not filled with the sinless one. But all of a sudden, they prayed for me that day. I get demons cast out. That was 2014. I have not touched a drug since. I have not been drunk since. I have not gone to a porn website since. Guys, being born again isn't some mythological, hypothetical trash. It is the truth. You actually get a brand new life. It's not a better life. You don't need a better life. I don't want poop with sprinkles and whipped cream on top. I need that thing flushed down the toilet. I need a brand new start, a brand new life. That is what being born again is. Next story. It says there's a woman with 10 coins and she loses one. She's so bummed. She's inside of her house. She's got her 10 coins. She loses her coin. She's like, man, these are collector's items. Where is my 10th coin? She's like flipping everything upside down. She's sweeping, checking under the couch. She's looking everywhere. She goes, she's like, man, I know I have a 10th coin. Where's that 10th coin? She flips everything upside down. She finally finds the 10th coin. What does the Bible say she does? It says she goes and tells all her neighbors, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. I'm telling you the same way. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels over one sinner who repents. What is this saying? Woman finds the coin, and what does she do? She throws a party. This is symbolic of the church, the house, the bride, the woman in the house. 